we're at a time where this is a very empowering economy, right? If you uh, love being able to shape your own career and you are voracious about learning, this is a great time for you. That's Poland Songby, speaker and author on the topic of purpose and meaningful work and former inaugural executive director of career services at Princeton University. He's our guest on today's episode of Designing Your Career and Life, Your Path to a Meaningful Life. It's a podcast brought to you by the UCLA Career Center. I'm your host, career and life coach, Jordan Manis. Each week, we feature an interview with diverse professionals discussing provocative career-related topics that inspire, transform, and empower you on a path towards a meaningful life. My guest today is Poland Songby, speaker and author on the topic of purpose and meaningful work. Poland's a seasoned veteran and thought leader in his field, having served as inaugural executive director of career services at Princeton University and assistant dean and director of the Career Management Center at the Stanford Graduate School of Business. Poland was formerly a management consultant with McKinsey and an investment banker with Morgan Stanley. And now, my conversation with the thoughtful and insightful Poland Songby. Poland, thank you so much for joining us. This is an incredible opportunity to speak with you. Uh, I know your background is fascinating. I can't wait to get into the conversation with you. It's really nice to be with you, Jordan, and so nice to be with UCLA today. Excellent. Well, you know, your career journey is really a fascinating one and even going all the way back to growing up in Chicago. And I think a lot of people can relate to something you said in a 2016 interview when you said something regarding your career about earlier on, you felt like you were headed towards destinations rather than purpose. Can you expand a little bit on that? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I am the son of first-generation immigrants from India. Uh, my mom and dad uh, immigrated to the U.S. in the early 1950s and had, you know, many fewer degrees of freedom than uh, I or my brothers had. My dad ended up working for, you know, 35-plus years at the same company, uh, Standard Oil of Indiana, which later became Amoco, where there was this almost sort of unspoken agreement between him and the company he worked for, where he would offer them a lifetime of service, they would offer him uh, a lifetime of security and stability. And, you know, as we were growing up, I think that we had a very traditional uh, grounding, we had different degrees of freedom and different opportunities. But, you know, as I was looking at the um, different things in front of me when I was an undergraduate at Yale, uh, walked into the Yale Career Center, uh, you know, I could have sworn based on everything I saw in front of me that the entire world of work uh, consisted either of investment banks or management consulting firms. And that led to a very tempting uh, and, you know, sort of uh, fascinating but fairly thoughtless path forward where I was um, able to sort of look at the universe of banks, look at the universe of consulting firms, First found my way to Morgan Stanley, later found my way to McKinsey. And, you know, both of those choices were extraordinary. They, both of them in different ways, heavily shaped who I became. But I remember when I was actually making the choice to join those institutions and even to go into those fields, a lot of what I was thinking about was the destination. You know, what, 
what would it take to get into a firm like Morgan Stanley? What would it take to get into a firm like McKinsey? Almost as if kind of uh, that was an, a goal or an end unto itself. And I think that with the benefit of having uh, years of experience in front of me and now also having seen how the economy has just dramatically changed, um, I think we're in a different world and one where uh, the destination, so to speak, no longer is a specific place, but rather a sort of a personal alignment with a purpose and a mission that is personally meaningful to each individual. The first piece of advice I have for young people is not to get hung up on trying to figure everything out right now, but instead to recognize that there's going to be, you know, things that you are fairly confident in and have a high degree of confidence that you know. And then there's going to be a lot that you don't yet know and may not know for a long time to come. There, you know, I'm, I'm at a fairly advanced stage of my career now, and there's a lot about my career, what my career will look like over the next decade that I still don't know today. And I'm really excited by that because I think that that uh, ambiguity, so to speak, is also uh, ripe with seeds of opportunity and the opportunity for virtuous pivots. A lot of my students have high expectations of themselves and would often come into my office uh, uh, sort of articulating what in their mind was a perfect choice. And if I could just get this perfect choice, if I could just make this job happen or just get this internship or get this experience, everything's gonna open up for me. And I, you know, I tend to think that the perfect choice at any given point in time is completely overrated. Um, I actually think that um, you know, the, the art of uh, great living is not to get hung up on the perfect choice, but instead to make a choice when you have to make a choice that is directionally aligned with what you are trying to learn about yourself, then use that experience that you've chosen for yourself as a platform to mindfully and intentionally um, answer those questions about yourself, use it as a platform of learning rather than as a rung in the ladder. And then, um, you know, make a bouquet out of the flowers that are within your reach. And um, then have the discipline as you've taken as much as you can away from the platforms that you've had to uh, uh, find your next platform and pivot to where you're going to go next. And that adaptability, that uh, ability to constantly reinvent yourself, um, I think is not only uh, an important ingredient of a life of exploration, but I think it's gonna flat out be a survival skill with the way that the economy is unfolding and evolving. Yeah, 100% agree with you on that one. And I wanna talk more about the skills of the future in a moment, but I wanna go back to one thing you said that was so important is that the goal of making the perfect choice can really uh, hinder the development of some young people. And sometimes what it appears they're also dealing with is that they're desperately trying to make sure they don't let others down and the expectations others have of them. And you mentioned in a talk that you gave that a lot of people are unhappy because they are falsely measuring their well-being with how well they're meeting the, expect the expectations others have of them. Can you talk a little bit more about that? You know, um, it's so interesting to me that our uh, relative sense of well-being often gets anchored against our perceptions of the well-being of our nearest peer group. 
if they were to think about things holistically, uh, they'd realize that for most of us, we have so many blessings that we uh, don't often appreciate. Um, uh, you and I talked uh, before we started the segment that you and I are both uh, parents of young kids. Um, to me, that's almost like the ultimate blessing when I think of the time that I spend with my kids. Um, it's a reminder that no matter how bad life gets, uh, it's not gonna be that bad because I've got these amazing kids to come home to. And I think that, um, you know, I, I think that that progressive re-anchoring is something that just ends up getting challenging. I used to see this in uh, the places that I worked, uh, the banking world, the consulting world, where people who had these extraordinary jobs would still somehow often be looking across at the next horizon. If I've been a banker, what would it take to break into a hedge fund or break into private equity in a way that somehow almost marginalizes or minimalizes the sense of well-being with where they are. Um, now there's some value to, you know, motivating value to kind of keep pushing yourself forward and all of that. But I think that, you know, I, I think that part of the happy life is finding ways to be personally motivated without resting all of your expectations of happiness in things that are external to yourself and that you might find over time you have only limited control over. And I think that if you progressively just keep re-anchoring your expectations, um, at some point you're gonna get disappointed. And at some point uh, that disappointment um, is something you'll carry forward with you and it's, it's unnecessary. Um, I think that uh, uh, the people who are most happy, um, you know, I have, to, I have to say some of the uh, happiest people I've ever met in my life were people I met as a kid when I was traveling through rural parts of India. Uh, you know, these were villages uh, where people often had to walk a couple of hours a day just to bring water back. But they were close to um, a basic connection with the joy and vibrancy of life and something they never forgot um, amidst, you know, what were often some very serious life challenges was that life always has a lot to live for, no matter what our circumstances are. And starting to feel control over those circumstances, starting to feel a sense of empowerment, um, partly stems from having a sense of just groundedness in whatever your life circumstances are. No question about that. And, and you're also referencing gratitude. And there's some incredible research out of UC Davis about the positive effects of gratitude, not only on your mental well-being, but your physical well-being, too. I want to go back to skills that are going to be in demand coming up. And uh, the World Economic Forum came out with a top 10 skills of 2025. And they were in four different categories. The first three were not too surprising problem solving, working with people, and working with technology. But the fourth category, and you alluded to this, was self-management. This is the skill set of active learning, resilience, stress management, and flexibility. What do you think of those skills, and how do you see the future of work evolving? You know, um, we're at the cusp of an economic transition. I mean, we, we actually are in the early innings of an economic transition that is both exhilarating and uh, really scary at the same time. Um, it's exhilarating in the sense that there is so much more uh, empowerment, particularly for young people at the beginning of their careers uh, who have just a much broader range of choices available to them, choices that have um, completely different value propositions. If you were to think uh, about what I had available to me when I was graduating, which were these more traditional entry-level jobs with um, large institutions. Um, your generation of students at UCLA today has all of those available to them. 
but also has, for example, the world of startups or small social ventures where they might be able to build or create or run or lead something at the age of 22 or 23 or 25 in a way where they're, you know, are completely different drivers, not necessarily better or worse than being in the large institutions, but just more choice, more ability to match against what you might have. The takeaway on all that is that nobody's going to be really secure, but there will be a couple things that will be really important. One is going to be uh, the ability to constantly reinvent yourself, uh, to be able to kind of keep evolving your professional identity to um, stay valuable and to keep growing your value in new directions, hopefully directions that track your own conception of meaning meaningful work and purpose, but also track what the economy needs and where opportunities for the economy are going to go. We're at a time where this is a very empowering economy, right? If you uh, love being able to shape your own career and you are voracious about learning, this is a great time for you. Yeah, very, very inspiring words uh, that you mentioned. And for students and recent alumni who are navigating this disruption, one of the key elements I'm hearing is approaching the unknown with curiosity, excitement, but as we know, for many, they're filled with fear. And it's, it's not necessarily a lot of excitement about the opportunity to reinvent themselves many times throughout their lifetime. Have you found uh, some sort of advice helpful when you're working with students or recent alumni to help them overcome such great amounts of fear? Yeah. I empathize a lot with that fear because I felt it very intensely and very acutely myself, uh, particularly when I was in college and, and you know, I hadn't experienced the world yet. And um, the advice I got and the advice um, I would give your students is to trust that uh, the things they are most worried about now will take care of themselves and work themselves out uh, almost certainly to a greater degree than they would have thought possible at the day of their graduation. I'm not saying that um, everybody's gonna have an easy uh, path forward, that everything's gonna kind of magically unfold open for everyone. But I would say that the things that I'm most worried about somehow that my career would completely flame out um, or that if I didn't make certain choices, I, I wouldn't have other opportunities going forward or that somehow um, I wouldn't have enough uh, financial resources or, or other things. None of that ended up coming true. And a lot of that stuff ended up resolving itself a lot faster uh, than I thought it would. And the thing that I wish I had done at the beginning is um, recognized what the, the greater risk really is. The greater risk uh, in the, uh, certainly within your population at UCLA, this hyper-talented, group of leaders who are going to go out and be in positions of uh, change and impact all across the world. Um, the, the, the greater risk that, you know, each of your students faces in their careers, what you can think of as misalignment. And all of us kind of recognize misalignment when we think of, you know, I think it's walking into an office at night at night and seeing a 50 year old, um, you know, senior manager eating pizza at their desk and sort of grumbling about how they're missing time with their kids and uh, how they can't wait to make enough money to leave this job behind and uh, uh, be able to do what they really want with their life. I, I don't know, you know, um, I think everybody's in a position 
you know, maybe at the beginning, not with total degrees of freedom. This comes up a lot, for example, with uh, students who are coming from uh, economic backgrounds where they might be supporting their families immediately after graduation and things like that. Not everybody has, you know, the same degrees of freedom at graduation. But degrees of freedom are something that you can, they're, they're something that can be generative. You can keep generating them over the course of um, a life well lived. And if you trust yourself, trust that by coming up with um, sort of a rough North Star that you wanna start sailing towards, and then having a commitment to keep sailing towards that North Star, being able to kind of think, well, you know, here I am in an investment bank and it's um, 10 at night. Um, I'm pretty sure this is not where I'll be forever, but what can I learn from this experience that I can carry forward with me that becomes part of my professional identity that I can then kind of carry forward with me as I get sail closer and closer in the direction of my North Star. Um, that's a discipline that across thousands and thousands of students that I've worked with across Stanford, across Princeton, across Yale has worked incredibly well. And the students who have found themselves earliest, the students who have stayed true to their North Star earliest, they often have had uh, the most fascinating careers. The world, when it embraces you, will not be embracing the institutions you work for or the credentials that you've gotten, but instead will be embracing you as an individual, the things that you know how to do, the things you care about, the things that you're passionate about, the uh, spark in your eye as you're trying to get your arms around uh, a problem that you really love and are, are committed to solving in the world. Um, that everything will open up for you there. Um, and if you can just take that first leap of faith, everything else will follow from that. And I will just put in a little plug that uh, uh, I lost my father three years ago, my mother I lost just this past February. And this specific advice, um, which helped me to completely reorient my life, in my case, came from them. That's beautiful. It's beautiful tribute to, to share that. Uh, forward and similar to Martin Luther King Jr. saying, you know, faith is taking the first step when you don't see the whole staircase. And I think you're alluding to that as well. Um, last question for you. Imagine that you have an opportunity to put a message on a banner carried by one of those airplanes going by the beach and people look up and they see one message from you uh, to the world. Can you sum up something that you'd like um, to say to people, some sort of advice you might have? What are you going to do with your freedom? Um, I, uh, I'm at a stage of life where when I look at the runway in front of me, um, I look at uh, how big and beautiful and endless with possibility life is, how many different paths forward there are to reach a well-actualized life. And I also kind of look backward inwards on myself and realize that I'm at a stage of life now where I'm a little bit less in my own head and a little bit more living in the world with everybody else. I realize that all the ingredients are there to find a profoundly happy um, path and set of experiences going forward. Um, I had a conversation with a dear friend uh, just last night and he made the point that um, life uh, has the potential to give you everything, but it often doesn't give you everything kind of exactly at the same time. I think part of the art of life is appreciating what you have when you have it and um, constantly making the most to generate more degrees of freedom so that you can keep generating 
your life to bring new influences into it that uh, keep giving you something to live for. That's uh, beautiful. Thank you so much for this super engaging conversation, Paul. And if, if people want to learn more about you or follow your work, what's the best way they can, they can do that? Um, first of all, send me an invitation on LinkedIn and just say that you heard this podcast and you'd like to be connected to me. And I'd love to uh, link with you on LinkedIn. And um, I love having conversations. I love meeting students. So hopefully there'll be a chance to meet some of the people who are listening to this podcast and have some of those meaningful conversations. And uh, I, uh, I'm really grateful to have had the opportunity to be with you uh, this afternoon. I, um, as I was saying before the uh, podcast began, um, I think so highly of UCLA, such a beautiful and extraordinary institution whose students and alumni have had so much impact on the world. And it is just a great honor to be with you today and to be part of uh, this uh, conversation that you're having a really important conversation. So thank you for having me. You're most welcome. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Tune in to the next episode of Designing Your Career in Life for another provocative interview discussing career-related topics that inspire, transform, and empower you on a path towards a meaningful life. Remember, every single one of you has a purpose. It's developed from your passion. And when one is on point with that purpose, it can help change the world for the better. I'm Jordan Manis reminding you to design your life or someone else will. See you next time.